What is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 72, Sergei Bobrovsky of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major news and whatnots of the NHL, mostly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because those are my two favorite teams, but I'm going to be talking about all 32 of the NHL teams, so what do we have on tap today? Well, we got a Bobby Orr record has been broken, we got some very unfortunate news uh, coming out of Calgary, Ottawa, the Canadian teams, we're going to be talking about some of the Canadian teams today for sure, and we got some slow starts, some fast starts, the Detroit Red Wings, okay, so where are we going to begin, let's let's begin with Calgary, let's, let's try and get... Uh, in front of some of the bad news here first. So sadly, the Flames week didn't get a whole lot better. Um, off to the, not the greatest start. I mean, it's not a bad start, but it's definitely not the most encouraging start. And now Calgary, uh, I believe it's a defenseman uh, prospect, younger player. He's not on the team or anything, but um, he is facing uh, sexual assault charges or uh, the rape charges rape charges uh, he has been removed from team activities now I have not heard anything on top of that story other than that he has been uh, he's facing the charges now I don't know if he, he hasn't been charged he's not like it's not official yet but that is what I have heard and that is extremely upsetting that is not cool uh, don't sexually assault people you know I, I feel like this is something we shouldn't have to tell people but stop it not okay and then, speaking of not okay, we have Rasmus Anderson, who uh, just brained Patrick Laine last week uh, at the end of the game. Really, really just brain-dead, stupid situation that Rasmus Anderson did. I mean, clear contact to the head. Uh, Patrick Laine is now injured. So, yeah, um, Rasmus Anderson was going to be facing the Piper, and it came as a 4 game suspension. So I admittedly didn't see a four-game suspension incoming, but I'm not mad about it. I am not upset about that. I mean, it kind of ticks all the boxes. You got an injured player, uh, late game, late hit, left his feet, right to the head. I mean, yes. Okay, so it was a terrible hit. I think everybody agrees with that. Now, the Flames and the Player Association, I do believe, are going to try and uh, appeal this suspension that never that never changes really and even when it does Gary Bettman takes so long to make a decision the the suspension is already played out so it's a pretty much guarantee even if they fucking change their minds on it he's probably going to miss the four games he's going to miss the heritage classic and that's you know that's good I mean I am I am for we need longer suspensions we need this and that and this and uh, this is a good start so I mean, four games, I don't think I would we would have seen a four-game uh, suspension last season. I mean, I don't believe Anderson has any history of suspensions or fines or anything like that. Now, in his defense, he was just... I'm not, I, I'm not defending him. It's what his defense was that it was a, a hockey play. He didn't want to have Patrick Laine score in the, the empty net, I believe it was. The Flames were losing. Tempers are flaring. So, yeah, but there there is no excuse for what he did. It was just brain dead. And, yeah, he's going to be losing, I think they said it's going to be somewhere in and around $90,000 or something like that. I mean, that would destroy my whole entire life if I lost that much money uh, over the course of a week. But I think Rasmus Anderson will be fine. Now, I do believe uh, the whole uh, 
argument towards the suspension. I think they just want to get Rasmus uh, some of his money back. I don't know. Like, obviously, he would like to play, but uh, I'm fine with the suspension. I think it's it's long, but it's also, you know, you got to put your fucking foot, foot down at some point, and they got to try to convince people don't hit them in the head or you're going to pay for it. So it's a hefty price to pay for Anderson, one of the better Flames defensemen. You know, he played fantastic for them last year on a team that not really anybody did very good on, and uh, he was one of the bright spots last season. So it's going to hurt. Uh, Calgary is, you know, exactly where I was hoping they weren't going to be, kind of in the mucky middle. It's very, very early, but the way that the team is playing right now, you know, you got Kadri with absolutely no offense going right now. It's really unfortunate. And, you know, this was, a, like I said it when they signed him, I was like, don't expect the Colorado Avalanche 90-point cadre. That's not going to happen. No matter, it's ju- It just wasn't going to happen. That was a career year for cadre. I watched him in Toronto for years and years and years. Never saw anything remotely of that level. And he played some good minutes in Toronto on some shitty teams, but... Um, yeah, when Calgary signed him, I knew for a fact he wasn't going to be putting up that production. I just thought he would come in, maybe be 60, 65, 70 points on the high end, maybe for a little bit. And then it was going to be a rough ride with Kadri because like he's in his thirties, this contract that they signed him to is like seven years. going to take him till he's 900 years old. Really fucking stupid. They did some questionable contract signing, man. Like they, they definitely added some gave guys term and and money on guys that are you know getting into the 30s and that's just not the way especially the way the NHL is kind of turning right now that's kind of the opposite as where I think the future of the NHL is going when you're gonna start paying younger guys in their prime now instead of paying for guys what they did in their prime and you're just gonna pay them off on the back nine for you're not gonna get your return on that if you're gonna give a 31-year-old a $70 million contract. You're not going to get $70 million worth of play out of him unless he's a very, very, very special talent. Nothing against Kadri, but he's, I just don't think it's there and the way that he has started the season off, not good. I mean, he might have been one of the players that I thought maybe would have benefited a little bit from the Daryl Sutter system. He just seemed like a guy that could have fit in there. And maybe Huska isn't a good fit with Kadri. So I don't know what's going to be the future with Kadri. I mean, there's no way they're trading him right now. There's probably trade protection on Kadri. And more talks around other players. So the whole summer was us talking about, oh, Hannafin wants to leave, Lindholm wants to leave, Backlund wants to leave, and now Backlund's re-signed. Lindholm is talking about re-signing, and now apparently Noah Hannafin is talking contract extension with the Flames. So, I mean, again, the way that this team is going, I mean, Hannafin's still in a pretty good age, so if they gave him a longer contract... I don't think it would be that bad. I think he's a really good defenseman. I'm a little bit surprised that he's deciding to change his mind. Like, I don't think the Flames are off to this ridiculously amazing start. Now, that could all be kind of a trickle-down effect of Backlund re-signing with the Flames, getting the captaincy, Huska coming in, uh... Fuck, what's the Conroy coming in as the GM? Maybe they've done a really good job at convincing these guys this day, but is it the right move so we talked about this if the flames got off to a not great start 
would it be a good idea to keep these guys or should they you know this is a great opportunity to kind of kick off a rebuild or a retool whatever the fuck you want to call it i mean you got lindholm great contract great player you can get a lot for him you got noah hannafin great top four defenseman you should be able to get a lot for him and there's other players too on the team that you could trade that that have i mean tanev is there i know he's been uh in contract discussions as well i mean it sounds like everybody is at least going to talk and we'll see where that goes but curious to hear what the flames fans out there think like do you think it's going to be a good idea let's just say all said and done they get lindholm locked in for a seven-year extension and they get noah hannafin on a on a seven-year extension is that going to is that really is that i don't know i think that's just going to lead to the flames kind of being a middling team for a long time and you don't want to be there it's a terrible terrible place to be man it's awful um said it a million times you know you're not you're you're getting a very disappointing season where you're just kind of spinning wheels not getting enough traction if you're finishing 18th 19th in the league it's just a very like it was the same thing that it was for the flames last year like they never got any good win streaks they weren't going on big losing streaks either either but there was just really no excitement behind that team last year it was so damn awful there's more excitement this year with some of the younger players i mean sharon govich finally got his first goal i'm really sad i mean i was really really hoping for sharon govich to come in to calgary i mean again I'm not going to, I mean, it's only been, what, five or six games. He's coming from the East, going to the West, new time zone, new division, new coach, new system. So it might take him a second to get there. But I'm hoping all said and done that Sharon Govich could get to the 20 goal mark. That would be fantastic. I mean, Coronado has been flying around out there. Hasn't gotten much more on the score sheet, but he does look good. I mean, there's just not a lot of finish on Calgary right now. It's been a problem, and a similar problem that they had last year. I mean, they just don't really have a lot of bona fide snipers on the team, and the one that they did have, Toffoli, he's gone now. So, yeah, it might be a tough season for the Flames in terms of offense, unless Huberto and Kadri and all these guys start to step up. I mean, Lindholm has been off to a nice start, and Markstrom. I mean, damn, uh, really good to see Markstrom has bounced back. It's just, it doesn't seem like the team is up to the same level at this moment. So, not a great start for Calgary right here, and a lot of bad news coming out of Calgary. Um, yeah, not not great. So, uh, we'll try and move on to something a little bit better. Uh, we got some returns here. So, we have some guys going down, but we got some big returns. So, th- I think this happened like the day that I recorded or something last week. And I kind of just missed it. But uh, Josh Norris returned for the Ottawa Senators. And the Senators fans must be rejoicing in the streets at this moment. He returns and has a two-goal performance for the Senators and a win. I do believe they won that game. But awesome that is I mean you can't really write up a much better start for a guy that hasn't really played much hockey over the last season and the Senators uh, I mean the organization knows how important that guy was going to be uh if they were going to make a playoff push this season they're going to need him in the in the lineup and he came back he's off and going with a couple goals so that's really good to see Ottawa not bad start man I know they're the goaltending's been a little I mean I I, I was with that prediction of Corpus Allo maybe coming into Ottawa and not giving them the goaltending that they're hoping for. I don't think he's going to be god-awful. I just don't think he's going to be god-tier and, and really be an elite goaltender. I think he's like kind of a fringe starter. But thankfully, the other goaltender they got there, uh, Forsberg, I think his name is, he's been holding it down there for a little bit. So hopefully Corpus Allo can get his shit together. I mean, Chikrin 
Got a couple goals there in the other games. So the Sens are getting there. They're starting to roll a little bit. But Jesus, let's I gotta talk about the Detroit Red Wings right now. Like, holy fuck, was I ever I am so sorry, Alexander DeBrincat. Like, good lord, I I didn't think he'd be able to hit 40 goals, and this guy is going Super Saiyan. Like, he is the hottest player in the NHL right now. He's got the most goals, the most points, I believe, as well. He was the first star of the week. He had a hat trick the other game. Like, wow. I mean, I, who do I, I, wow. I'm literally flabbergasted at this moment with Debrincat's performance and Detroit's performance as a whole as a team. They have been fantastic. James Reimer with a shutout, a huge shutout the other game. Uh, their defense has been really, really solid. I am quite surprised. Like, Petrie has come in and been solid. The Wallman and Cider pairing is just fantastic for them. I mean, wow, I'm, I'm kind of blown away. I mean, their uh, Sprong has fit in very, very well for the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, Seattle kind of looks stupid right now letting that guy go. Comfort's been a nice second-line center. Dylan Larkin, like, holy fuck, this guy is like, trying to shut up the league right now I mean a lot of people would be talking about Larkin it's like is he an elite first line center or is he like a a very very awesome second line center on a very competitive team at this point this guy's shutting everybody up and saying fuck y'all I'm a first line center on a competitive team right now and he's doing really well man and I did not think that DeBrincat just coming to a place that he wanted to play in that badly. I mean, wow. Like, maybe if Pierre-Luc or P.L. Dubois uh, went to Montreal, maybe he'd be putting up ridiculous numbers too. But uh, we'll talk about him in a moment. But, yeah, man, Detroit absolutely off and running right now. This is awesome news. I mean, we'll kind of talk about those three teams right now that are kind of stuck together when we're talking about Detroit. You kind of have to talk about Buffalo, and you have to kind of talk about Ottawa. So we're kind of talking about it right now. So let's let's continue this conversation. So admittedly, I thought Detroit was the weakest looking on paper of the three teams coming into the season. Uh, they made some moves that I thought were pretty decent. Obviously, bringing into Brincat, I thought was a good move, but I didn't think it was going to be this amazing for them so far. And, you know, he could slow down, but uh, I mean, he's going to have to slow down the way that he's going right now. But Jesus, he is... Um, yeah, a really, really good fit right there for Detroit. Really been helping them out quite a lot. And the the Yeiser plan, the it's, it's really going well right now for them. And then there's the Buffalo Sabres. So the Sabres not doing so hot right now. I'm very disappointed. I mean, I, I can only imagine what Buffalo Sabres fans are, are thinking right now. They're probably like, oh, it's this, this shit again. Like, they, they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. How many cold starts hot starts and it just doesn't matter so like I I wonder if I are you guys doing okay out there Buffalo Sabres fans I hope you're doing okay because geez this is just really unfortunate and the thing that sucks the most is that like it's the bigger guys that aren't producing the ones that maybe we thought uh were a kind of a lock-in for good performances good seasons Tage Thompson I think he scored the other day but not the start I think he's only got the one or maybe two goals so far in like six games not the start that you were looking for out of Tage Thompson now some people are already starting to say like oh he's kind of like it's almost like Lynn Sanity in the NBA if anyone remembers um fuck what was his name anyway Lynn Sanity he went off became like the best NBA player in the NBA for like two weeks it was amazing a lot of fun 
and then it just disappeared. He lost it. And that, oh, well, I mean, it ha- it happens. But uh, are people are starting to say, is that what's going on with Tage Thompson? Is this guy turning into a pumpkin? Or, like, what what's the deal? I mean, I don't think you forget to score near 50 goals over the last two seasons overnight. So I don't think the talent has left Tage Thompson I think there's just a lot of pressure on the Sabres this season, a lot of pressure on him, just a lot of pressure around Buffalo, I can only imagine, not making it in the playoffs for over a decade, you got all these first overall picks, you got all these big contracts, big money getting moved around, and, you know, that just hasn't happened yet, and um, again, it's early, it's early, but... I was expecting a substantially better start. I mean, Devin Levi has not gotten off to the start that I imagine a lot of people, especially the fantasy owners out there who drafted him rather early. Now, I'm not going to say that I saw this coming, but, you know, it's hard to put so much faith in a, in a goaltender that is so young. It is a very, 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 very risky gamble. Apparently, he's dealing with a lower body injury and so on and so forth. And this is how fast the snowball can start rolling for a young goaltender in terms of confidence. You have a shitty start. You have a couple of bad games. Maybe you read an article or two that's not so bright about you. And then you get hurt. And then, oh, fuck, my confidence is gone. So I'm not saying that is exactly what has happened with Devin Levi. But we got to watch that because... Confidence in goaltenders, that can disappear overnight, for sure. I mean, not the same way that goal scoring, but confidence in a goaltender, that can uh, that can evaporate in one... It, it go away during a game. You know, he can have a good first period, and then, I don't know, he shits his pants in the intermission, and he's just lost all confidence in himself. He's like, oh, God, I'm falling apart. And then he lets in eight goals, you know? So we're going to keep an eye out on Devin Levi. He's, like I say, he's dealing with something. So they have Comrie. Comrie played pretty decently. I was really rooting for him last season. Didn't go so well, but maybe Comrie can hold the ship above water while Devin Levi gets it together. Is Uka Pekka Lukanen one of the best names in the NHL? Is he going to come up and do anything? I mean, not very encouraging numbers from last season. And yeah, this was going to be... This is kind of the, the teetering point for the whole entire Sabres season was the goaltending. And, yeah, it doesn't look like that experiment, that, that gamble, that risk is really paying off right now. I mean, and and it's not just the goaltending either. I, I'm not putting it all on Devin Levi and the goaltending. It's kind of just a, a team sputtering out of the gate a little bit here. Now, is that pressure? Is that this? Is it that? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not watching every Buffalo game. But, uh, I mean, Darlene's off to another good start. That's nice to see. I've heard that. Jeff Skinner scored a couple goals there. So, uh, maybe this is the beginning of them getting going, but I have to say I did not see this coming out of these three teams to have Detroit going off uh, on such a great start and, and kind of Ottawa in the middle. That's a little bit more predictable. That's kind of where I had them uh, pegged a little bit there. And then Buffalo, man, I was like, damn, this is this is really interesting. So we'll see if that is going to be the story. I mean, all three of them can miss. All three of them can make it. It is still that early that shit can go wrong. I mean, DeBrincat can break his leg tomorrow, God forbid, but that's that's the way the NHL goes. So you're one injury, one major injury away from your season going poop, but we'll see what goes on with the Buffalo Sabres. So I know people are getting a little bit antsy. You got to get Tuck going. You got to get that offense going for sure. I really believe in Tuck. I mean, a lot of people are saying that he overperformed last season. And, and I mean, maybe he did, but I still believe that he is kind of the heart and soul of that team. He's from Buffalo. He made it very known uh, during a time that no one wanted to go to Buffalo, that he absolutely wanted to go to Buffalo. Loved it. So 
We'll keep an eye on uh, the Cold Sabres and see if they can get going. And speaking of cold, what the fuck is going on in Edmonton right now? What the fuck is going on with Edmonton? So, now my theory is is that they're cursed because for the last two years in my fantasy league, I've been, I have gotten the first overall pick and drafted McDavid. Now that did not go down this season. I did not get McDavid at 13, I mean, obviously. And uh, now he's hurt. He's uh, listed as week to week. There's a whole bunch of controversy and discussion around that, reading lips and, and whatever and all that. Regardless, I mean, I mean that's got to be one of the bigger losses that you can have in the NHL for the Oilers to lose McDavid. Now, they're not dead in the water. They got Dreisaitl. They got Nuge. They got Hyman. And then there's Vander Kane. So, Vander Kane, ladies and gentlemen, is a little upset with the Edmonton Oilers and his lack of ice time. Now, that's going to fix itself right away because McDavid is out, so he's going to have to step up. And he's been shit to start this season. I think he's got one assist or something in five games. Not a great start, man. Not the start at all. There's a couple times there he looked like he was going to score a 1,000 goals with the Oilers. And now he's got no points. He did get into a fight, and then he had the interview after the game saying, you know, oh, I didn't have a whole lot of ice time. Now, I don't think he was, like, complaining about it. I think he was just answering the question, like, what was going on in the game? Well, I wasn't playing very much, so I got into a fight, trying to do something since he can't put any goals into the net right now. So uh, there's a lot going on with Edmonton. Now, I know a lot of people like to focus in on the goaltending, and yeah, the goaltending has not been very good. But that's not the only thing that's been sucking ass in Edmonton Edmonton right now. I mean, their defense, bro. Whoa, my God. Evan Bouchard is lost out there. Darnell Nurse, what the fuck, man? Now, this guy keeps breaking my heart. I love picking Darnell Nurse in fantasy. I just think he's a great fantasy asset. He could generally hit a lot of categories, hits, shots, penalties, all that stuff. Stop putting up points a little bit, but um, fuck, apparently he can't play defense either. Like... I don't know. Their defense is bad, man. It is so bad. Like, do they still have Cody Cece on there? Like, oh my goodness. And Ekholm, like, he's not getting off to the start that you want. He might still be dealing with something. I mean, he, he may have came back early from that injury because Edmonton's kind of sputtering and spinning, like, tail spinning almost. I'm not going to say they're in full panic just now, but it's fucking close, man. Like, it is. if I was an Edmonton Oilers fan, I would be very upset right now with the way that this team has started. I mean, Dreisaitl's doing pretty good. Hyman's starting to get it going now. New just put up a couple of points, but, you know, the problem with Edmonton, and, and it has been a problem for some time now, is that bottom six is doing next to nothing, man. Like, absolutely no goal support from those guys. Like, you, literally, it's literally all the offense is put onto that top six. Bottom six can barely get anything going, man. Like, they have to get something freaking going. Like, I can't believe it. The, the lack of energy that that bottom six brings to this team. Like, you guys should be going through a fucking wall for McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and those guys dragging you guys along with them. Like, Jesus. So, I don't know what's going to happen with Edmonton. I mean, is it going to come down to Jay Woodcroft getting fired? Like, that'd be bad because if you look at his track record and his record since becoming the Edmonton Oilers head coach, he's been fantastic. Now, is that a... Is that a a pick a thing of how good of a coach he is or is it just because he's got Leon Dreisaitl and McDavid on his team is that the situation I mean if they brought in another coach who's out there like I there's not a lot of great names out there if there were some good names out there they'd probably be hired by now but 
I don't know, man. Maybe if they wait and fucking Sullivan gets fired from Pittsburgh, maybe they can fucking switch coaches or something, and maybe there's something there. But I don't know, man. Uh, people seem to like Woodcroft. I I don't know, man. Like it's just uh, that that team can't defend for shit. They can't stop a puck. They can't get any depth scoring outside of their fucking top six, and it's not getting much better. Uh, Connor Brown. I'm not gonna put a lot on him. He hasn't played hockey in like a year, but he hasn't really been off to the start that people have been hoping for. And like I said, I wasn't really expecting him to, but I could still give him a few weeks, get his legs under him a little bit, and hope that he can uh, get get something on the board here going but jesus it has been really really rough for edmonton what is what's the solution going to be i don't i really don't know because they they really didn't change all that much in the off season and so i'm curious if there's edmonton fans listening out there what do you think is going to happen with this team are we are we hitting the panic button already or should we just all relax let let it work itself out. Let McDavid come back. Let Dreisaitl take over the team a little bit because statistically he's very similar to Malkin in that way. When when Crosby goes down, Malkin takes over. He goes super saiyan. He goes, I am score, and he scores a million points. Dreisaitl's done the same thing. So that's really cool. Oh, speaking of Dreisaitl, he broke a record this week. I couldn't. I thought I was reading that wrong. He broke a record. He now is the leading PowerPoint or power play goal leader of the Edmonton Oilers and I had to do a triple take on that I'm like wait sorry what like the team that had Gretzky that had coffee that had uh fucking Messier that had Curry that had all these guys and Leon Dreisaitl's already he's excuse me and yeah he's actually leading the Edmonton Oilers in franchise history and power play goal scored and he's still so young he's still got so many more years so that's absolutely insane and not only is it insane, um, it's not the only one that's kind of been broken this week, and I guess we'll move off of Edmonton right now, but again, let me know, what do you think Edmonton needs to do? They just need to ride out this this shitty, sputtering start, or is there a trade out there? I mean, some people have been talking trading Darnell Nurse to a team that can take him, because apparently he is so bad that it's, I mean, that's a contract you're not getting out of. He's making $9 million, and at the way that they're talking about him, I don't know if he should be making over two and a half. Like, I'm going to have to watch watch and see how bad Darnell Nurse really is, but, I mean, uh, what's what what can they really do? They're so tight to the freaking cap. Every, 60% of the teams in the league are cap-strapped, got no money, and why the fuck would... would Anaheim just take on Darnell Nurse. I mean, they they would have to give up so much. And what assets do Edmonton have? They don't really have many prospects left. I can only there's not going to be many picks, and those aren't going to hold a whole lot of value because this is supposed to be a contending Stanley Cup team, right? So, I I don't know if that's a trade that is out there. I I don't know. They might just have to live with Darnell Nurse or find a way to deploy him properly because. A lot of the talk around Darnell Nurse is, here I go with more Edmonton talk, but he plays too damn much. He's playing like 22 to 24 minutes or something, and people are saying, like, this guy needs to go down to like 16 to 18 minutes, really just limit his numbers, maybe 
protect him a little bit, put Ekholm with him. I don't know. If they're putting Bouchard and Darnell Nurse together, that is a fucking nightmare, and no wonder it's not working out. They also have um, a younger player there, Hollowell, I believe. Uh, Now, I'm just getting this from what I heard on Chicklets. He hasn't been getting enough ice time out there, and he's one of the younger players. There's something, like, no young guys have been breaking through on the Edmonton Oilers for years. Like, Yamamoto didn't get there. Um, Oh, who's that other young guy? Pugliarvi, he's gone. Like, there's something going on with Edmonton, and, like, the younger guys just aren't breaking through. And, like, a lot of these guys looked like quite good talents. Like, you got Jesse Pugliarvi, who's, like, out of the league now because, like, Edmonton just couldn't get him going, and he was just so miserable playing there. So, I don't know, man. Uh, there's definitely a little bit of a funk right now going around in Edmonton, but at least Dreisaitl broke a record. Speaking of records, let's go talk about this Bobby Orr thing. This fucking Kale McCarr guy, man. Wow, he broke another, I think this is not not uh, his first time he's broken a Bobby Orr record, but Kale McCarr is the fastest defenseman to 250 points passing Bobby Orr. Now it was close, I think it was like 246 games to like 240, it was close, but regardless, this is territory we have not seen or even thought we would ever see again, and... I mean, I still, I am still not fully processing how good Kale McCarr is. I'm just, I'm just not, you know, I don't get to see a whole lot of him, but this guy is putting up numbers that have not been seen since fucking Bobby Orr, man, and he's beating him. So I have a question and I mean, it's kind of a dumb one because I mean, Bobby Orr's career was cut so short, but all said and done, do we think that Kale McCarr is going to end up being in that conversation or even surpassing Bobby Orr as the greatest defenseman of all time? Now, in my books, I, I think I would be putting Bobby Orr as the greatest. Now, it's tough for me because I didn't get to see him. I'm literally going off of what my dad told me and all the videos that I've seen and all the testimonies from everybody else across the league and all that stuff. I've seen his end-to-ends. Like, he was definitely in fucking sane and Kale McCarr is very much so up there but he's going to have a substantially different career right Uh, now barring injury he should play longer than Bobby Orr did and the way that he's going he's going to put up more points so where the comparison is going to end is where Bobby Orr's career ends so where he ended at whatever how many games he played if Kale McCarr is past Bobby Orr let's say he's 50 points past Bobby Orr. Is that going to be good enough to convince everybody that Kale McCarr is the greatest defenseman in NHL history? That is my question to y'all. So I'm not good. I, I just don't have enough of an opinion on Kale McCarr to justify that. But I'm very curious to wonder if, because I'm t- like, I keep saying this, this era of defensemen is absolutely and freaking sane. Like, I mean, it kind of sucks for other defensemen, but it was kind of the same way when Bobby Orr was playing. Like, oh, I can't remember the name of that defenseman. I'm pretty sure he played for New York, but he was like second place in Norris voting for like eight years straight because Bobby Orr existed. So, you know, other defensemen have won the the Norris while Kale McCarr. I mean, Adam Fox has won it. Uh, who the fuck won it last year? I think Kale McCarr did. Anyway, no, Eric Carlson won it. There you go. So... I mean, the Norris is a lot different now. Like, they really like to pass it around. They like to give, like, I I owe you Norris awards. Like, I know we didn't give you the Norris this year when you deserved it. So we're going to give it to you this year when you didn't necessarily deserve it. But you did five years ago. So here you go. Here's a Norris. So that is going on. Wonder if you guys think 
Kale McCarr is going to end up being the greatest NHL defenseman in NHL history. And then there's a guy called Austin Matthews. He is currently on pace with Alexander Ovechkin in career goals. So my question, very similar to the Kale McCarr one, do we think Austin Matthews is going to challenge Alexander Ovechkin? And I know Alexander Ovechkin isn't off to a great start this season. He went a couple games there without a shot. First time that's ever happened in his career. Now he scored his first goal tonight against the Leafs. I mean, that was a guarantee. We all knew that was coming. But uh, he's still, I think, 70-some-odd goals away from breaking Gretzky. Now let's just say, theoretically, Ovi breaks it. Will Austin Matthews be able to catch Ovechkin? Me? I don't think it's going to happen pretty much strictly because Ovechkin is an animal and virtually never got hurt. Austin Matthews has already dealt with a handful of injuries. Um, The only thing that could benefit Matthews is that goal scoring has gone up. Uh, But, I mean, Ovi didn't really have a lot of seasons that weren't 50-goal seasons. Matthews has already had, you know, a couple 40s, what, 30-some-odd in his first 40? No, I don't know if he's ever had anything under 40. But me personally, no, I don't think so. It is extremely impressive that he is currently on Ovechkin's goal-scoring pace, which is fantastic. I just don't think all said and done that Matthews is going to be breaking Gretzky's old record or Ovi's new record. But where do we think Austin Matthews all said and done with that career? Where do we think he ends up in goals? Is he going to hit 800? Oh, I would love it. I would love it so much. And especially if he did all 800 with the Leafs. But I think, I think I'm putting injuries into my equation. I think he'll, I think he'll break the 700 mark. If he keeps it up, he's going right now. He scored another one tonight against Washington off to a phenomenal start. Looking like he's going to be in the 50, 60 goals. Then yeah, I think, I think, uh, Matthews could break 700 goals in his career. But I ask y'all, what do you think? Do you think uh, Austin, I don't know, I just blacked out right there. Austin Matthews, will he outscore Alexander Ovechkin? Or is that just, is that just going to slow down? Speaking of going down, we got some, uh, we got some attendance issues apparently going on with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, their 15,000 seat arena or, or whatever, how much it's not, it's also one of the lower attendant, like it's not a very big building, like the bigger ones, like the Detroit, I think it's up in like 20,000, Scotiabank 19, stuff like that. So they're one of the smaller arenas, but apparently they've been putting up some not awesome attendance numbers uh, over the last week, something like 11,000. Now it's a little bit eyebrow raising because that was the LA game with the Dubois return. So you would think people would come out to boo the ever living bejesus out of Dubois who, you know, wanted out of Winnipeg. I think he was a little bit better to Winnipeg than he was with Columbus. Like he didn't just give up playing on the ice. I thought he gave Winnipeg two good years, was very open about the fact that he didn't want to stay you guys can do with me what you want you can trade me you can do whatever you want I'm just not going to stay here so I give him props for that um but yeah it's a little bit uh disappointing that um you know I I know it wasn't a very good offseason at least um atmosphere wise for the Jets you're buying out your captain Blake Wheeler he's gone the question marks surrounding Shifley and Hellebuck they are answered now which is great that's awesome you know I I would hope that that would have been a boost to uh, the Winnipeg Jets, you know, attendance, but uh, apparently it's a little low right now. I don't. Maybe maybe it was an opposite effect. Maybe people were so anti 
P.L. Dubois, they're like, I'm not even gonna fucking go and see that goofball, like, fuck him, fuck this, fuck me, fuck you, all that shit, so maybe that's what's, what's, what is going down with the Winnipeg Jets, people are asking the question, like, do we think that Winnipeg is going to get moved again, so on and so forth, um, I would think no, only because the owners of the Winnipeg Jets are literally some of the richest people in the entire world. So this is just kind of a toy for them that if they lose a couple million on it, eh, whatever, it's a write-off in the end. But So I don't think that the Jets personally are in any real danger of moving. I still think they got a pretty solid team. They could should be competitive for playoffs this season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some pretty good names in uh, Winnipeg. Kyle Connor. I mean, I know he's kind of under the radar. Not a lot of people talk about him, but I fucking love Kyle Connor. He's so good. Mark Shifley is a pretty good player, but I guess I can understand it because they don't, they've never really had a big personality there in Winnipeg. It's fucking freezing all the time in Winnipeg. God damn it. And I mean, I'm a Jets fan of, oh, I really like the Jets. Just like ever since they came in, I really liked that team. I was so into them when they had Bufflin and Truba and their and Patrick Line. That was such a fun, fun team. And yeah, maybe they're going through a little bit of a phase right now where they're kind of, you know, the team. I feel now they have a direction, but for months there, they didn't really have a direction. They didn't know where we were going. Now I think they have a direction. They just have to kind of prove it again, maybe to the fans, you know, get some wins going here. And then maybe the fans will start coming back in. But me personally, I don't think it's, it's anything to be too concerned about. I don't think um, the NHL is going down to six Canadian teams. I think they'll keep the seven. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see if the attendance continues to, to plummet, if it gets really, really bad. I mean, I mean, we, we've watched the Panthers survive for 15 years with like seven people in their building. We know what's going on with Arizona right now, so I don't think it's that big of a freaking deal. But the one thing about Winnipeg that's a little bit different than other teams in the league is that they're a little bit more gate-driven than other leagues. They make more of their money on ticket sales than uh, sponsorships because I don't believe they have a major sponsorship with the Winnipeg Jets. They got, like, some local stuff and shit like that, so they're missing a big sponsorship. They could get one. I mean, I don't know what they're doing. Like, go fucking call Frito-Lay or some shit. I don't fucking know. But... Again, I don't think it's that big of a deal, so we'll move on to some other topics. Let's talk about Vancouver. Uh, they're still doing good. I mean, Elias Pedersen, Besser, uh, got to get Demko back in the net and healthy again. They should be going well. But they did get Mikheyev back, and that is awesome. Uh, kind of forgot that he was there a little bit, but I you know good that he came back. I don't think I don't know if he got any points, but just a little nod to the head there that Mikheyev is back with the Vancouver Canucks. That is awesome. Speaking of awesome, we have the LA Kings. Anze Kopitar is now the all-time Kings leader in games played. And I feel like I'm a little surprised it took this long. But yeah, I mean, I think Kopitar is going to lead in damn near everything. By the time his career is done, he should be leading in points, assists, goals, I would imagine. Well, there might be, um, maybe not goals, but regardless, Anze Kopitar is the LA Kings man like he's been there for so long he's been the top goal scorer the top point getter for them for like a decade straight Anze Kopitar man freaking love that guy he's off to another really good start this season the Kings you know the goaltending yeah not not amazing but uh they're going they're going speaking of going Anaheim Ducks well they're not going as a team but they're second over was the second overall 
Third, second overall, second overall pick, Leo Carlson has made his NHL debut for the Ducks, and he scores in his first game. He's been uh, playing pretty well from what I'm hearing. He's playing like 20 minutes or something, so that is that is fantastic. Is he going to stay up for the entire year? I mean... Is it, would it be good for him? Honestly, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think it's really going to be all that great for him. I mean, the Ducks are going to be absolute dog shit this year. Uh, I mean, is is it going, is it, I don't like them. I don't know. I think they should probably uh, have him do the 10 games or whatever, then send them back and let them just fucking dominate wherever they, they have to send them down to. Because I don't think it'd be a, a good thing to have him there for the 82 games with the Ducks. Because they're going to lose like 60 plus of those games. So it's going to be pretty miserable. It's probably not going to be a lot of fun. You don't want to get that losing mentality into them early. And like the Ducks all around just really haven't been going. I mean, Trevor Zegers, what the fuck, man? Like I drafted him this year and I was really hoping that he would bounce back. I was expecting a slow start because he didn't have the training camp, but he's got one assist so far in five or six games or something. Just not freaking good enough. He has been shooting a lot. He's been putting up a lot of shots, but no goals. Just not a lot going on. So Zegers got to get his shit going, especially now he's kind of on that uh, bridge deal. So you're going to have to start showing that you can uh, advance your numbers or you're not going to make any more money uh, over what you're making right now. You're not going to get a very big raise if you keep this shit up. So he's got to get going. Uh, I mean, there's not really many other guys on that team that you're really too worried about. I mean, Terry's been going all right. Uh, You know, there's just not a lot of great vibes around the Anaheim Ducks. But at least Carlson, he's there. He's shown up. He's apparently still growing, like he's getting bigger in terms of height, and he's going to get bigger in terms of size as well. So he's going to be a big dominating player, man. And like, if he ends up becoming like 6'4", 6'5", 215, 220 pounds, I mean, you might have yourself the next Ryan Getzlav right here. So, uh, so far, so good for Leo Carlson and his debut with the Ducks. That's great. Speaking of great... Uh, well, these aren't great things at all now, are they? Do I have any more good news? Uh-oh, I don't think I have any more good news. So speaking of not good news, um, Seattle Kraken, you know, we already know that they're off to a fucking terrible start, and it's only going to get worse because Burakoski is out six to eight weeks. And, you know, that's really, really unfortunate because the, the damn Seattle Kraken can't score a goal right now. And Burakovsky would have been one of their better point producers. So he's down for about two months. So that's going to be not good for the Kraken. Does not look like uh, they are last year's Seattle Kraken. It looks like last year a lot of things went good for them. And this year, not so much. They really have re- reverted back to Seattle year one, and that's not good. So uh, hopefully they can get something going together. Like I said, I mean, looking kind of silly that they let Sprawn go. They they really had that guy going at a very, very efficient rate. Tolvanen hasn't gotten it going the way that he did last year when they picked him up off of waivers. So yeah, things around... The Kraken right now are not very good. Speaking of not very good, we got some Chicago news. Taylor Hall is week to week again. So he was out, came back in. Everyone was like, what? I thought you were out like for weeks. And he's like, no, I'm back now. And now he's apparently re-aggravated his shoulder injury and he's week to week again. So I, I that was just dumb then, I guess, to have him play in that. I believe it was the Toronto game that he went back into. And yeah, now he's out again. So there's your second best player on the team. The only guy that can really help out Bedard out there. And he's gone. So 
It's going to get even harder now for Bedard. And some people are, you know, being like, oh, he's only got four points in six games. He's a bust. Shut the fuck up. No, he's not. It's, um, you try being Connor Bedard on the Chicago Blackhawks right now. He's literally the only thing that they got going for them. And the next guy up is Corey Perry and Nick Felino. Like, what the fuck? So, yeah, it's going to be tough for Connor Bedard to find those points, but he is talented enough. I know he's going to find those points. He's going to get some nice goals, and he's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him. But sadly, he will not be uh, playing with his line mate, Taylor Hall, for a little bit. And speaking of, well, we got more sad news. I don't know what I'm speaking of, but uh, this isn't official or anything like that. Just kind of speculation because Marc-Andre Fleury was in Montreal, playing, uh, playing in Montreal, and he got a big old standing ovation from the Montreal crowd. You know, uh, a fellow uh, en français, uh, francophone, eh? Uh, but um, now that just leads me to think that maybe this is going to be the last season of Marc-Andre Fleury. He's like... 39 years old now he's literally got nothing to prove he's got four three stanley cups i i think the only thing that he doesn't have is a vesna which kind of sucks but one of the best goalies of all time i mean one of the one of the most popular players of all time i would say as well and do we think that this is going to be the last season i mean it's probably safe to say that a very good chance that yes it is I don't think that his play has really fallen off it's just he's bounced around a couple of teams there it's like how much more can Marc-Andre Fleury do in the NHL he's done damn near everything so if he wants to call it a career I mean I'm all for it I he's going to be one of my favorite goaltenders of all time maybe even one of my favorite players I just I, I love Marc-Andre Fleury um I feel like it'd be I'd be really hard pressed to find someone that doesn't like Marc Andre Fleury unless there's some some Pens fans out there that have some like bad uh, um, bad uh, vibes with him. I don't know what kind of word I'm looking for right there, but yeah, man, Marc Andre Fleury. This could be the last season we have with him. So let's enjoy that that big old smile, that that awesome fucking attitude that he brings. I mean, it's going to be weird not having Marc-Andre Fleury in the NHL if this is, in fact, his last season. It's not a guarantee. He could fucking bounce back. Maybe Gustafson goes down. He just goes on a streak, and Minnesota makes it into the playoffs. They get to the they get deep, and like, oh, Marc-Andre Fleury just resurgence, plays for another 10 years. That'd be cool. Speaking of pretty cool, so the NHL, we kind of saw this coming, but we had the whole banning of the pride tape and, you know, uh, players just weren't fucking doing it. So they kept wearing kept wearing the, the pride tape on their sticks and the NHL has rescinded the ban. So there you go. So that was a big old waste of time. Just made you look like a bunch of fucking morons like the NHL is. I mean, God, what a fucking dumb freaking The NHL is sometimes so fucking hard to like. Like, there's been... A million times, I'm like, why do I watch this stupid sport? They don't They don't want it to grow. They hate the fans. They hate us. They hate the players. It's just a billionaire's club where the, you know, millionaires become billionaires and, and bullshit like that. It's just awful. So, I mean, at least they, they rescinded it. But this should never have happened in the first place. We never should have had this conversation. What the fuck were they thinking trying to ban that? What, what was, what positive situation did they think was going to come out of that like wow I don't know what the hell those guys are smoking in there but I need some of that y'all I need some of that up in here and they're not done so the NHL on top of the on top of that 
also are planning to change the way that the NHL entry draft is done. So I don't know 100% what they want to, what they're planning 100%, but they basically want to cut costs. They don't want to fly fucking the GM and his family and his friends and their family and their cousin and the dog and the fucking kids and fly all them out, have them walk up on a stage to hand over a hat and what some other young kid put the hat on and shit like that. So they want to change the whole concept of how they do this draft. They Now, I don't know what that means. Are they going to, you know, the NBA does it kind of the way that I think they want to go for, where a lot of the players are just kind of streaming live from their home with their families around them. And I, I, don't, I don't really have a problem with that, honestly. Like me, personally, I couldn't give less of a shit about the draft outside of the top five picks. After that, I don't really know anything about these players we're not going to probably see any of these guys for years so i'm not all about the draft i'll put it on but i'm not like oh boy it's draft time i can't wait now from what i'm hearing a lot of people that are complaining about it are the reporters the journalists the ones that get to go to the nhl entry draft have fun on the weekend get blackout fucking you know have a whole bunch of fun and everything talk to all your friends and chatting with players and gms getting all this information uh, swapping cards or whatever the fuck you gotta do what do you call that connecting or, or uh, whatever the fuck i don't know regardless it's it's been a a kind of a what do you call a melting pot of gms getting together talking you know being dumb stuff like that talking about dumb shit so those are the people so far that i'm hearing are the only ones that sound disappointed and they've admitted it's it's a very selfish um reason why they don't like the idea of the change because they like going out having a good time and hanging out with all the hockey players and shit like that i understand that that's fine but I mean, I don't really care about them saving money or anything. Like, pfft, good for you. You know, the, the, that's, you know, millionaires becoming billionaires. They got to do that kind of shit. But if they can make the product a, a little bit better, because admittedly, it's really a lot of fat in the draft. You know, you get, oh, first overall pick, Connor Bedard. All right, shake your family's hand, hug everybody. Take 50 minutes to walk down here. And then we got... 17 random children of all the GMs up there. And yes, it is a phenomenal moment in that player's, that person's life. Like what a moment for them. You get brought out onto the stage, flown out to wherever, getting wined and dined, probably interviewed about this and that all weekends. Very, very, very much so overstimulating the young man. And um, yeah, so like it's a really good moment for them and something they'll never, ever forget. But like, I mean, is it, is it, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's not going to be as awesome if you just kind of have to spend the day at home, but your family's going to be with you and you get to have a celebration there. You don't have to go through 8,000 interviews, probably answering the same fucking three questions because journalists are so freaking creative. <sighs> but yeah, I'm wondering, uh, what do you guys think about if they change the draft? Like, I, again, I'm not I'm not all about the draft. Like, it's cool, it's exciting to see who gets picked and, and to see if there's any big major trades, but all of that can still go down. It's not like they're gonna just get rid of the draft and not have anything go down. They're still gonna have something, it's just that they're not gonna fly out all these unnecessary people. So it kind of makes sense, you know, hey, with climate control, maybe they can push that. It's like, oh, there won't be as many flights because... It's like, you know, but 
it really, you know, I know uh, people have been talking about it. I don't think it's all that big of a deal. But we will see where that goes and what the NHL decides they're going to do with their draft. And let's talk about the Leafs. I can't believe it. We're freaking 50 minutes in and I haven't even really talked about the Leafs yet. So what's been going on with the Leafs over the last week or so? Well... Samsonov has been uh, not fucking good at all. Thankfully, Joseph Wall has been phenomenal. And it all started with that Tampa Bay game. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that game was going so not good. Samsonov letting in, what, I think three goals on four shots or something. Just looked awful. And Kucherov, oh, my God. I was just talking about how Kucherov haunts me, and he's so good and frustrating to watch. And then he goes off, has three points in, like, seven minutes, and putting ridiculous passes. Oh, my God. He scored that goal so effortlessly. Effortlessly. Effortlessly on the power play, and Samsonov's out of there. In comes Joseph Wall, where he proceeds to stop all 30 shots and helps the Toronto Maple Leafs come back and win that game. So, fuck yeah. So now we're asking the question Is Joseph Wall the starter of the Toronto Maple Leafs? As of right now, yes, he is. He is absolutely, but that can change next week. I don't know why people are so infatuated with uh, who's the starting goaltenders. Like, well, today. It is Joseph Wall. But if Joseph Wall gets lit the fuck up tomorrow and lets in eight goals, then it is going to be Samsonov as the starter again. So that's the way that this is going. This is the way that I was expecting the goaltending to go down this season. One guy is hot, you better play him. If one guy's not hot, then he doesn't fucking play. And don't force it because, yeah, I feel like they're trying to force it a little bit with Samsonov and it's just not working. And now I'm really, really happy that they didn't lock him in for a long-term contract or they didn't give him a whole lot of money because I know a lot of people were sold on Samsonov last year. I was not. I was like, he's he's not the goaltender that, like, I don't want to lock him in for a long time and a lot of money because this is not the gut. This is not the type of goaltender that's going to be the same goalie for five years, if that makes any sense, because he just doesn't play in a way that, you know, he can just get back to basics. He's a very sporadic goaltender, and I feel like he has to kind of get lucky a little bit, and if you're just not getting lucky, and he made a lot of saves that he wasn't supposed to last year, and he's just not getting those saves this year, that's not the kind of goalie you want to put your chips into. You want to put your chips into a guy that's calm, collected, um, sturdy, and confident, and he he is I don't I want to say basic bitch but like kind of basic he's simple he's he's on his fundamentals and that's what I see more out of Joseph Wall now I'm not sold on him right yet don't lock him up for eight years or anything but I like the way that he plays so much more than Samsonov Samsonov scares the fuck out of me all the time he's just so sporadic in his movements he just kind of projects bad energy if that makes sense like he just you just doesn't seem like the team plays as good in front of him so you know I don't think that they hate him or anything it's just it just hasn't been there and then Wall played fantastically against Washington tonight I mean wow he stopped like 37 to 38 was spectacular I mean this is this is where it begins so a lot of people are predicting that Joseph Wall would be the starter by the end of the year I mean yeah it's looking really good so this is great great news um, as long as Wall can keep it up, let's let's just keep riding this this hot hand in Joseph Wall. So I would expect him to get the next start. I I wouldn't I wouldn't put Samsonov back in until back to back till you have to because he doesn't earn it. If you have to earn it, there you need to breed a competition between these two guys. And Wall right now he is competing and he's winning the net. So 
If Samsonov wants to take his ball and go home, boo-hoo, you're out of here. I mean, you're only signed to one year, so if he has a bad season this year, he'll find a team next year, but he ain't going to make a lot of money. So we'll keep an eye on the goaltending situation. Now, I'm not against Samsonov. I want him to get his game back. It's just that the way that he plays, he just doesn't come off as a goaltender to me that is going to be incredibly consistent. I can see this guy going through very bad stretches just from the way that he plays. So, again, we'll keep our eye on that. And then we got Matthew Nyes, baby. Oh, fuck yeah. It is the Matthew Nyes coming out party, scoring a couple goals, hooking up with Max Domi, who has been struggling. Max Domi has been struggling, and that was all in the Tampa Bay game. So Max Domi, I think he's down to the third line now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his play hasn't been fantastic. Neither has Bertuzzi's. I mean, he's got one goal in uh, his first six games or whatever. Are they going to move something? Now, a lot of people are talking about putting Matthew Nyes up to the top line. I think that's the answer, too, honestly. He's really fucking good. We saw what he was like already on that top line in the playoffs. He looked very, very good. So I could see Matthew Nyes maybe moving up to the first line here at some point. Keith has already got the line blender out where he just got guys all over the place. It's kind of how it is in Toronto. The only guys that are generally connected are Matthews and Marner. Generally, they do get split up, though, at times. But, I mean, you know, Bertuzzi hasn't been off to a great start. Uh, Nice is getting going now. It looks like Frazier Mitten is probably done here. I think they moved him down to the fourth line, and looks like Camp is coming up. Camp looks like he might be the answer as the third-line center. I know he is uh, kind of pegged as that defensive stalwart, but I think he can bring some offense. He's, He's done it before. With the Leafs, they are paying him quite a bit, uh, enough money to be the third-line center, so maybe he's the answer there. So far, it's been pretty effective uh, having him there, and Domi Nyes on that third line. So, yeah, not too bad. Uh, who's going to come up for Fraser Minton if they end up sending him down? Um, oh, I had his name, but it's gone now. Oh, well, someone will come up, and it'll be okay. Now, when it comes to the defense and, well, Ryan Reeves as well. I think we already talked about Ryan Reeves a little bit last week, but I think people need to relax a little bit on him. I know uh, he's a big old minus and and stuff like that, but I'm not done with the experiment just yet, but maybe they need to, you know, scratch him a couple games and, and just give some other guys some opportunities. And it all depends on the game, right? Like, if it's going to be, you know, you're playing... Uh, I don't know what team fucking doesn't hit a lot, but uh, you know, on a team that's just, let's say they're playing Buffalo or something, the team that's not generally been a very physical team the last couple of years. Do you really need Revo in there? I mean, I don't know. So we're keeping an eye on the Revo situation. A lot of people are already ragging on him really, really hard. And we'll see how much longer that swagger is going to remain with Revo in this Toronto market. Like, we'll see if the fans and the media get to him. I like him. I think he's fantastic. Not like terms of scoring and shit it's just that it's what they need in this team man like they're fucking they're just a little bunch of chickens back there like they don't defend each other it's not a team that's not the way you're gonna win if you're not backing each other up you don't have each other's back you don't care stuff like that revo is here to fix that and it's not like he's locked in for four million dollars per season if they have to send him down and bury him they can do it if they want to buy him out they can do it so I like Revo being here on the team. I mean, the defense is still really not good, man. I mean, I mean, not to say it's bad, but I'm still seeing all the same bullshit from this team that we've been seeing for years. They're weak in front of the net. They're they can't defend very well in front of the uh, in front of the, in their own zone. It's just 
bad brainless turnovers like not tough in front of like the big thing is just not tough in front of your own net like they still can't defend the front of that net for shit whenever they're on a penalty kill they literally just leave the guy alone in front of the net all by himself it's just like i don't get it i really don't get it there are still some toughness toughness issues where you know you would like someone to step up for someone in that moment but uh it is better I mean it is a little bit of an improvement but it's still not fixed I mean we all knew coming into this season that the Toronto blue line was not fixed because they didn't add anything they they got rid of some problems but they didn't add anything and they're still missing that big guy in front of the net like they they need that more than anything and it's just not there they don't have a guy that can do it and, I mean, they're so fucking cap-strapped, they, they can't really make any moves, so I don't know if they're just going to be kind of stuck with it, the, the way that the defense is. I mean, McCabe has been, eh, and Lilligren has been like, mm, I think he scored, but, I mean, you just want more. I thought Gio has been pretty good. He's been prominent uh, in the games that I've been watching. He's been doing pretty good. Morgan Riley scored his first, so... Um, you want the defense to defense, but like you just look at them, it's just it's just not that good of a decor. Like it's good for Toronto's sake. I mean, they just haven't had very many good decors, but there's still pieces missing from that decor. You need some fucking size. Need some size big time. Like if you could put if you can get a Revo on defense, get a guy like that. I don't know who it is, but fucking find someone that can just scare the hell out of people to get the hell out of that net. Like get the hell out of there. They still just aren't defending very well. So and the turnovers have been not great, but they're not they're not playing like bad or anything. It's just kind of the same Leaf team that I've been watching the last few years. So I don't really see a big change, you know, with the way that they're playing. They're still kind of kind of doing the possession thing, and I'm not really big on all that because it just allows teams to set up against them. Like, oh, just send the puck back down to our goalie, and all right, now their defense is nice and set up. Let's go. It's like, nah, I like teams that are. A good on the fly, good counterattack, and good, just, you know, good speed. And that's what the Leafs, you know, used to be, but they're not that fast anymore. And, like, they're not slow. They're not Washington Capital slow, but they're not fast anymore either. So there's going to be teams like Ottawa, Detroit, that are definitely going, that could, they could get beat by their speed. So we'll keep an eye on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they're still doing okay. You know, I'm not panicking or anything. I'm just mentioning that it's like once we get to the playoffs and, they don't really have any success. I mean, don't be surprised because the fucking same team basically that they had last year, at least the same decor, and it's not gonna it's not gonna win you a cup. So, I mean, it might win us a president's trophy, but honestly, the way that Boston's playing right now, they're fucking won't lose. Oh, I hate Boston so much. God damn it. Anyway. Not only is Boston doing really good, but Vegas is doing really good too. I mean, they have not lost a game yet, so that Stanley Cup hangover thing, that's definitely not going on whatsoever uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights, which is awesome. The only thing that is um, a little under the radar, I know no one's really going to talk about it too much because uh, Vegas is winning, but Barbashev only has one point so far, and, you know, Riley Smith is off to Pittsburgh. He's off to a pretty good start over there with Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's doing uh, pretty shaky it's uh i don't know they're not like in the washington bin right now where they're just fucking wow they're really bad but uh penguins not off to a really good start but vegas blistering start i mean really good to see jack eichel he is on fire right now putting up a whole bunch of points that's really awesome and colorado has broken an nhl record 
they are currently on a 15-game road-winning spree, streak, whatever. And uh, that is beating the Buffalo Sabres back when they were good in 2006. They went on a 14-game road-winning streak. So that's extremely impressive. Uh, very difficult to win on the road. Uh, there's a lot of teams, you know, like Boston, uh, where it's very difficult to get a win. Now, I don't know if they beat Boston in that streak or anything. But regardless, winning on the road is tends to be harder and with the travel and all that stuff generally maybe a time zone change but really good for the Colorado Avalanche they're off to a fantastic start as well it looks like uh, the two powerhouses in the West, uh, Vegas and Colorado. It's going to be very fun to see these teams going at it throughout the, throughout the season. I heard they had a really, I think they played in the preseason. They damn near killed each other. So that was pretty kidious. So maybe the, that'd be a money matchup to see in the playoffs if that that's a long ways away but oh man I would love to see Colorado Golden Knights in the playoffs that would be a bloodbath it'd be a lot of fun but yeah really good for Colorado I mean uh, I'm now recording in a different day so the Flames played New York last night they did not win and just kind of Uh, Again, what I talked about earlier in the podcast with the Flames, like Kadri not looking really good. The team doesn't look uh, very in sync. I mean, the only thing that's been decent is the goaltending. So I don't know. Like, it's one thing or the other. Like, last year, the team was doing okay. It's just they couldn't get a save to save their lives. And now they're getting some saves, but they can't score. So, yeah, those those woes continue with Calgary. And, uh, yeah, so that's really disappointing. But I think that is everything we will be talking about today. Oh, I should uh, I should mention, uh, I believe it's Rick Bonas. His wife had a seizure this week and he is off. Uh, he's away from the team uh, handling that situation. So, you know, best wish- wishes right there for Bonas. It's a really unfortunate situation right there. So hopefully everything is okay and he can come back and the Dallas Stars can continue onwards. I'm thinking maybe next week I can go a little bit more in depth with some of the players that are off to Colt starts and we'll take a, a better, a more in-depth look at some of the players and how they're doing on new teams like Eric Carlson and Bertuzzi. We talked about that a little bit already, but we'll take a bigger look into that and see how the new uh, players on new teams are doing or maybe not doing so well. So we'll be doing some of that next week but let me know how you're enjoying the NHL season so far are you concerned about the Leafs I mean I've been watching them for a long time and I'm still seeing a lot of the familiar uh, major flaws in this team it's really early the best thing uh, I could say right now is that Austin Matthews is uh on his way to having maybe the best season he's ever had all around like his all-around game is really really crisp right now putting him on the penalty kill has been really really effective Uh, so that's nice I know a lot of people are a little bit nervous about uh, wearing down Matthews with too much ice time We'll we'll keep an eye on that on the ice time and stuff I mean uh, Leon Dreisaitl and McDavid have been doing it. We have to remember these are uh, young men in their prime, 24 to 26 years old. I mean, yeah, you don't want to be pushing them 25, 27 minutes for 82 games, but I think uh, 
Matthews right now is is really just found it. Maybe maybe I should have shut up about the NHL's top ten, and maybe he deserves to be. I think number five where he was on that list. Oh God! Now that I mentioned it, I have to. I'll just mention this ESPN their top 100 list, and they forgot to put Malkin on it. That's been a big old hoopla. So um, it really does seem like they straight up forgot Malkin, but they also had these really strange parameters uh, for that list. Like, it was, it's not taking into consideration anything that they've done prior. It's just like, who is the best players right now today? But they still forgot Malkin. They didn't even, they had a mentions list. Like, oh, here's some guy's honorable mentions. He wasn't even mentioned in there. So uh, Malkin right now, he is tearing it up. He's doing really good. Not not playing like the 37-year-old man that he is. So, I don't know. Uh, disrespect to Malkin for sure. It's not the first time that that's happened in his career. So, you know, shove it up their hoop, Malkin, and just tear it up this season. And, yeah, maybe he'll crack their list next year. But, uh, yeah, uh, we'll uh, try and cut off the ramblings now. But, again... With the Leafs, what are you seeing? Uh, I'm still seeing some problems there. Flames, what are you seeing there? I'm seeing some fucking problems there too. So let me know what problems you're seeing in your favorite team or what, you know, Detroit fans, if you're listening, you know, fucking go crazy about the team right now because, I mean, y'all kind of deserve it. Uh, maybe getting a little bit of disrespect over the summer. You know, a lot of people not necessarily believing in you, myself included, and you're shoving it up our hoops. So there we go. Thank you, everybody, so much again for listening. If you want to watch these, uh, they get uploaded to YouTube on the Gamer GX videos YouTube channel. The link is down below. I also have a Twitter page. You can uh, look that up, and there will be announcements and all that great stuff. You want to send in any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, you may do that. Send them in on Twitter, comments on YouTube. There is an email address as well. Send in questions. I'll answer them live on the podcast if you'd like me to. Or we can just have a private conversation and nerd out about stuff. That would be absolutely awesome and encouraged. So again, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again soon with some more GX Plus Cast.